Hello, guys, and welcome back to the med school. Um, it's me, Anifa, and it's me, Rita. All right, today we have a special guest. Hi, I'm Jonathan. I'm a first year medical student here at St. George as well. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to be here. All right, welcome. Jonathan is in, sorry, Jonathan is in my PBL, and he, everybody describes him as a ray of sunshine. Oh. Today, can I say? You can say, yeah. Okay. Today he performed a magic act. It was really good. I liked it. Like, I love doing it. And then last PBL. So PBL is problem-based learning. It's when everybody gets together in a group and uh, we kind of try and solve a case. Um, and so last week during PBL, Jonathan also performed a song. Yes, it was a background music for the presentation. It was really... Oh, wow. It, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's a fun, it's a fun experience. Okay. You, you really want him to explain lobs to you. Oh. <laughs> well, I hope I get you my next group. I hope I get you Tunis. No, I hope I get you again. Okay, let's not... Jonathan, look at me. The universe will put us again together. Maybe we'll have time together. <laughs> okay, so what do you want to talk about today? I just want to talk about the program. I think it's really nice. Like, a lot of people... I live in Israel, and a lot of people from Israel are calling me and asking me about the program, how to get in, what's the experience like, what's the experience of, of getting into it, like doing the MCAT and everything. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a nice topic that can uh, help people who listen and want to learn about it. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay, so we have an episode where we kind of discuss this a little bit. I think it's like episode number four. Um, and we discussed your gr the grades that we got for um, the MCAT that helped us get into the program. Uh, this program is called the MBBS program as opposed to the, um, kind of, yeah, um, more generalized MD6, uh, program. Is your phone ringing? Yeah, yeah I'm just turning it off. Yeah, we're good. How dare you? <laughs> I don't know there is a reception in this audio sealed room. Uh, yeah, and so basically you require a certain uh, MCAT score, uh, you require a certain GPA, and uh, when the med school uh, wants you to attend their program, uh, they send you an email saying that uh, you've passed to the next uh, stage where they're going to interview you. Okay, that's nice. In Israel, it's a little bit different. You need to call uh, them and approach them, send them an email, and Ask, tell them, okay, I want to get in, and mm -hmm. then they give you the timeline. Mm -hmm. And basically what you have to do is you have to do an interview where they set up for you through the email, a Skype interview. It's about an hour with questions mm -hmm. uh, with one of the secretaries, one of the admission officers there. And then you have to do all the MCAT or another test in Israel, which is called uh, the knowledge test, and maybe also UCAT. There is several things. And uh, you can do the MCAT until the 1st of July or 19th of June, okay. depending if you do the interview or not. And then you can get in. Because the program starts, I think, around 20th of August. Yeah, 26th of August this year. Right. Um, my experience was a little bit different. Um, I could have done the MCAT or the GAMSAT. I chose a GAMSAT route um, after experiencing the MCAT. I don't know who's uh, kind of into that. But um, the GAMSAT, I find, is a little bit better, especially if you haven't done physics at a higher level. Um, I did physics in GCSC, and that was the last of it, so it wasn't very helpful for the, the MCAT. Mm. Um, for me, the GAMSAT made a lot more sense, um, having done biomedical science, um, which was very biology-based and immunology and that sort of thing. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I found the camps a little bit better. You know, they do test you. Um, you have to write an essay in there, and um, there's a science portion as well. And I don't know, I just found it a little bit better and easier to study for. Um, Can you tell about the feeling of study to the GAMSAT or to the MCAT, about the experience of doing the test? What, what, what felt different? Um, well, for me, the MCAT was very strict um, in terms of, like, you go in, they take your ID. Um, you know, it's almost... uncomfortable you know you sit behind a computer for five hours <laughs> which is um it's, it's very long it's very that's stressful. yeah five hours or more actually and i think mine was did you did you take the mcat i did a new one it's about seven and a half hours yeah i did the seven and a half hours one as well mm-hmm. so that was very stressful oh yeah yeah especially sometimes sometimes you get lucky but mm-hmm. other times um i've heard like horror stories where people Have gone in and there's people who make noise and people who like oh my god um different smells i've heard you complain of like anifa hates when uh she goes to an exam and there's like a bad smell obviously yeah, yeah so that, that stresses people out so i think the environment as well you can't really um you can't really know where you're gonna go take your mcat no matter how much you prepare for it or studied for it there's still that like factor of Um, the stressful location but didn't you take the like wouldn't you take the camps at safe place um yeah I took the camps at I did my first one in yes I did it twice <laughs> I did my first one in London and um, to show you how daunting it is it was probably over a thousand people in this like one arena and mm. all these desks in there it was freezing cold um, you know so imagine how many people competitors you have to get into medical school yeah and that was only one site that day so i think they have maybe like three or four more within mm. the country itself so i don't know how big those were but the one in london i went to is pretty large um yeah so i went in the first time actually got sick halfway through because i traveled you know from bermuda overnight oh wow and like started coughing like sore throat like in the middle of my exams it was pretty bad so i said you know what let me give myself a proper shot again And uh, did it in Washington. I found Washington like a way better experience. Okay. And I actually got like a way better grade in terms of, you know, you felt more comfortable. Like yeah. it was a community college and, you know, it was warm. <laughs> 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 and, you know, smaller, I guess, smaller groups and, you know, I guess a little bit more easy to manage. Um, so, yeah, if you do the GAMSAT, I would recommend Washington. You do pay a little bit of a, a levy on top of what you pay normally. But um, in terms of like living in Bermuda... It was easier to travel to Washington than mm. going to London. Um, yeah, and like I said, um, you know, I ended up doing better because I felt better about being there. And, you yeah. Know, yeah, it wasn't as stressful, I guess. Um, yeah, that's good. It's interesting you have both experiences, MCAT and GAMSAT, and you can... Oh, that's, yeah. That's interesting. I would never do the MCAT again when you paid <laughs> me. It was absolutely terrible. But I did that one in New Jersey, actually. But... Uh, Yeah, without studying, so don't do that. Oh. <laughs> did you take the MCAT? Yeah, yeah, I did. I took it uh, in Israel. I don't have the, the nice thing about this program. Interesting, you don't have to be a biology first degree. You have to have a bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. but you don't have to have it in biology or, or something related to uh, health science. I have a general degree. It's like a lot of courses, and it makes a degree. And I have no background in science before I came here. So I took a prep course in chemistry and physics, uh, something general, and I studied it myself. Uh, about, it took me about six months. 
and then I took the MCAT and uh, the prep course really helped and uh, yeah the, the, the good thing uh, I don't know like about games that maybe I'm sure there are but there are a lot of good resources for the MCAT online there is Khan Academy which are very good there is the AMC website which has a lot of information there is some several like prep courses online they have question by Kaplan test a lot of Kaplan tests a lot of uh, these kind of things uh, which I recommend people go into the website and just read and just dive into it like uh, I see that a lot of people are spending money on books before they start I don't know it's very individual but I'm not sure I'd recommend anybody to to buy like a lot to, to, to spend so to speak a lot of money before mm-hmm. he reads about the test because I hear a lot of people telling me listen I got this pack from this guy I got these books and like how do I start so like my advice is read go, go to the AMC website aamc.com read about it read about the test and then decide what's your best approach uh, this is my advice to everybody study yeah mm-hmm. I found the gams out a little bit because I was looking at both in terms of study material and um, like you said the gams out I don't think it has as many you know uh, preparation books compared to the MCAT but I did find it's called the gamsat Bible and mm. they broke it down into um, different subject areas and it made it very manageable they had questions in there like very good and I was able to like carry that with me to work like on my on my tablet and study you know on the go so I used that and I think I used that the second time so I think I did better mm-hmm. because of that you know and any kind of external information I needed I would just find a science book you know so it was a little bit I find it a little bit easier yeah um, so whatever path you take to reach this program MBBS um, you just you end up reaching it <laughs> so what's the difference between MBBS and MD6 for example so um, okay if basically if you went to an American university and you did your undergrad you have like a good three to four years of undergrad you do a bachelor's um, just like you said Yonatan doesn't matter in what you just do a bachelor's um, and usually in the American program you take your MCAT and then you do a postgrad uh but you're still you still graduate with an md in this program um you what is it you also take the mcat or you do the uh, gamsat you apply to it obviously you do the interview everything goes well you're in it's also a four-year program it's a postgraduate program except like you don't need to have a science background you just need to have passed your official exam um you need to have a good gpa you need to have passed the interview and obviously, um, MBBS stands for, um, what is it? Bachelor Med- of Medicine, Ma- Bachelor of Surgery. Yes. What is it? Medical Bachelors? No, Bachelor, bachelor of Medicine, medicine bachelor, bachelor of Surgery. surgery. They But just they just switched it. Yeah. 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 Depends on where you get it. Some people is like BMBS or something. Yeah. Depends on where you go. But regardless of the title, you graduate as a physician, you graduate as a doctor. Um, the nice thing about it for me at least is that the way we study for things is a little bit different than a postgrad um, program in America and it's also a little bit different than the MD6 program which is basically a six-year program uh, of general medicine you just dive in straight into medicine from year one uh, wh- so what do we do that's different than usual MD programs like general medicine programs Um, yeah, the difference is like you can come, you can leave high school and go into the MD6 program, which is um, similar to what they do in the UK as well. I don't think they do that in the United States. I think you have to do 
um, like pre-med um, before you enter a program. Yeah. Which is undergrad. I think you have, uh, you could do biology, you could do um, biochemistry. I think it de also depends on the university. So some, some universities will ask you to have some background in science, but some universities actually would, wouldn't mind. Yeah. You I have pre-med, you have uh, uh, public health. In Israel, mm -hmm. it's, I think, like in the UK, mm -hmm. that you, have to, you can do straight out of high school, but you have a six-year program. Yeah. And now they opened a few years ago the four-year program, mm -hmm. which is kind of a new idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's nice. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the aspects, good aspects about this program is that, you know, you can dive straight into the clinical. Um, mm -hmm. The problem-based learning, I find, is very handy. You don't just go to lectures and... You know, you kind of have to go and discuss it with your colleagues and see if you, you know, you all understand the topic mm -hmm. and which I find is very handy. Um, personally, yeah. I like hands on type of things. And I like that, you know, most weeks we do have a visit mm, yeah. and, you know, instead of just sitting behind a desk, you know, and studying. And also, I find that a lot of programs will kind of teach you, for example, pharmacology for a good month. And then move on to anatomy and then so on and so forth, physiology, da, da, da. Whereas our, our program will kind of focus more on the um, system. So we, start, we started with the cardiovascular system. We did everything for that. We did pharmacology, physiology, pathophys, everything. Um, and we moved on to uh, GI. We moved on to endocrinology. Um, and now we're in life cycle, basically, we call it because the cycle of life. Um, so for reproduction. And uh, we get to do a lot of things that are interconnected. So we get to come back to the same topic lots of times. So it's not like a one-pass thing. Um, for example, we, for example, last week, if we learned about menstruation, this week we learned about abnormal bleeding, we can come back to menstruation kind of for a reference point. Um, they call it spiral learning. So you're always yeah. kind of going back to it. And I think the other unique opportunity with this program is that um, you spend your first two years um, in the classroom and, you know, visiting patients. But your last two years, you have the option. I know for you, you can go back to Israel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you can go to the States, uh, Baltimore or Chicago. If you're American or Canadian, you usually end up in Chicago. Yeah. Um, if you're not, you can go to Baltimore. But if you do stay in Cyprus, you do have the opportunity to have, I think it's up to, what, 17 weeks or something? Yeah. Yeah, you have about 16, 17 weeks in New York. In New York or I think Florida. I'm not sure if they still do. Oh, I don't Florida. know about Florida. Mm. However, if you're planning to go to New York, you just should know that they do have a law there that just says that if you have practiced, um, like, what is it, student medicine um, mm. in New York for a certain period of time in your life, you are no longer allowed to um, clinically practice being a fit. You're no longer to... Ah, what happened to my English? <laughs> you're no longer legally allowed to be a doctor in New York. Just to practice. You're still a doctor. You have the title. You just cannot practice. So if anybody's considering um, working in New York, just don't take the seven weeks in New York. Yeah, you have a lot of, uh, of uh, free room to... You have the career office meeting, even in... We are in the first year. And even now, we had a meeting with career office, which... Uh, helped us and explained us our path and helped us plan our future path, even for me one, which is good. Something that also very surprised me for, in a good way, was the focus on the person and like the look at the person as a whole and his need and his desires and his like reservations. Like I had this 
maybe it's me, I had this image in my head that medicine is very scientifically oriented and you have to have proof and everything should be backed by research. And it's true in most, in most, in most ways, it's true, but mm-hmm. it's also, they focus on the person, like ask him what does he feel, what does he want, mm. consult with him. Like the fact that we see some alternative medicine, like not, not a lot, but it can also be a tool. You see it as a tool to help the person to psychologically deal with his illness. Like the fact that they promote this kind of thing in med school as a as a as accessory tool, I was really happily surprised. It's, I think it's a much healthier approach to everything that can help use it. Like yeah, as as in in the right context and in the right in the right uh, where you need it. I know everybody. So we have something called communication skills, which is essentially what they do. They help you kind of understand empathetically the other person in front of you and how different they could be in terms of their views on treatment or their views on just life. Um, and I know a lot of people complain about communication skills because it's super long. It's usually at the end of the day. We've had a long, long day. And sometimes you just don't want to sit in a classroom with people telling you, you know what, just be empathetic. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But at the end of the day, I feel, for me at least, like you said, in my day-to-day, I'm not a doctor yet, but in my day-to-day even, when I find somebody kind of sad or complaining to me about um, a cough or whatever it is, and I can use those communication skills, it just makes the conversation so much more personal. And I really appreciate that. You know, I have a funny anecdote about it in PBL. We, we have a group of about eight to 10 people and we talk and then we practice and we get feedback on how to integrate inside the discussion and how to talk in a group and when to speak and when to be more aware of ourselves or dynamic in the group. And I noticed I was home one time with my family and we had this discussion, we started arguing. And then I like, it's like kicked in the drives from the PBL, like, okay, here I should go in, here I should stop. It was so weird, like it felt really like, I was in a hot dinner with my family and I was like practicing, like using like some of the skills I, 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 I do in PBL, which was, so it was a weird experience, but yeah, maybe it helps in many fields. Mm. <clears throat> I do agree. I think communication is key in a lot of aspects, you, your workplace at home, stuff like that. Um, but another topic I think could be talked about is what's the reality though, when you go into a doctor's office as a patient yourself, which I experienced the other day. Are they actually listening to you? Did they take a good history? You know, did they, they actually, care. yeah, do they care? Do they, or did they just come in and collect the money? You know, I think it's another yeah. interesting topic, being a future doctor and a mm-hmm. patient at the same time. Or is it just a generational gap? Or um, is it just that sometimes you, you get desensitized? Mm. Or are you bored? You know what I mean? Like, mm. is the case not interesting enough for you? Um, and, let's be real there are a lot of people who go into medicine for um money which i don't think is a very smart move on anybody's part (laughs) if you're getting into um medicine for money get out (laughs) yeah i I totally agree you know carl rogers was a very famous psychologist who made a lot of uh, research he was very big in his field and one time he did research psychology. I think empathically, em- empathically, we can compare it to doctors, like the way they use empathy and they communicate. So they did, they did research about several psychologists and they checked how much 
psychologists were empathic as a person and how much they rated themselves and how much some of their patients rated them as empathic and as communicative. Mm-hmm. And the father is a huge correlation between how much a person is feeling is empathic, mm-hmm. like as in his everyday life, like how much... Uh, like what sort of a person are you and what sort of a therapist are you mm-hmm. and he said like you are only as good as a therapist as you are as a person and I think it really relates to medicine like I think you bring you can have all the knowledge but you bring yourself to the table when you in a, with a patient in the room and I think you like Carl Rogers said like you're only as good as a doctor as you are as a person uh, so I think it's it's very I think it fits here mm-hmm. yeah. and Something that I found was super interesting is the fact that so everybody comes in this program and we start with something called communication skills. And the first thing you get taught uh, other than the taking a history of a patient is taking it empathetically, like you said. Um, and the best thing is everybody complains, right? What? Empathy? We don't need to practice that. We have that. I feel I feel bad for somebody coming into my practice and being super ill first of all that's sympathy second of all empathy can be learned that was the most interesting thing for me in terms of the psychology of it all so yeah what type of person you are definitely affects what type of doctor you are but if it's difficult for you to show empathy even though you feel it this is easy like not easily but this is learned and I think that this program um like tackles this issue from day one from month one so you graduate from this program and you get into this clinical setting and you already have these sets of values where you don't have to learn oh my god how do I respond to this patient that just told me that they're ill but their partner just passed away and their um, parent is sick and they're the only person that are able to take care of their parent what do I say now So you go into the real world and you know how to respond to these people. I agree. Um, I'm just waiting for that angry patient session next year. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Should be interesting. I'm, I'm, um, I'm hoping they bring um, an angry patient. I remember uh, there was... Uh, angry patient session is where they have an actor who plays an angry patient... And you they teach you how to handle situation, how to navigate it to a better place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that they bring a racist patient. I hope they bring a homophobic patient um, because you can't can you do anything really if you're in the NHS or if you're in the hospital setting, you can't legally complain, right? As a doctor? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have your rights. I mean, you deserve to be treated with respect as well. You respect the patient and you expect that back in turn. So I think a part of empathy, I think the NHS itself has rules on how mm. you deal with um, rude or rude patients. So, mm. you know, the aim is not to affect their care, which is what we say yeah. when we introduce ourselves. Um, but they need to understand that, um, you know, rudeness will not be tolerated because, you know, Everyone needs to be treated with respect. So yeah. um, I guess we can research further onto the official rules and what you do. But because um, yeah. I'd imagine that'd be really shocking for somebody to experience that type of behavior from a patient in a hospital setting. And you're only taught to be respectful of um, the patient, whereas maybe they're being disrespectful to you. 
how do you react? So I don't know if they're going to bring a patient like that other than just like generalizing it and saying, oh, angry patient. Yeah, I think it's it's two things. First, it's individualistic because some people may feel differently about the same situation. So mm-hmm. it depends where you're lying, where, how do you feel about it? And the second thing is really not take it personally because the pers- the patient does not know you. He's not talking about you. He's talking about the figure mm-hmm. that he sees in you or the figure that he has in his head for for you. So it's not that he, it's not you that he's targeting. So just mm-hmm. remember that when you negotiate situation and navigate and maybe try, like I, I did this uh, like negotiation like course, which is very nice. And they say, like when you did, remember that the, the person is not the problem. The situation is the problem. Mm-hmm. So it's a good way to think about it. Like you should not like, allow to be mistreated yourself to be mistreated but try to navigate situation like it's a good it's a good way on your head it's a good lead because i heard the story of somebody who told me that uh there was a patient that refused uh to be taken care of by them because they're um a woman you can like compare that to oh because um they're a different color you can compare that to these types of issues. And when that happens and when your own like your only duty is to take care of a patient and their only way like the only reasoning they're giving you is, well, I don't want to because of my prejudice, that's difficult to navigate. And I feel like that would be something interesting that the program can put in instead of just kind of leaving it out in the open and hoping it doesn't happen. Because it is, it is, like, it happens a lot. I can, te- I can tell you in Israel, I don't know how about the NHS, I was a volunteer in ambulances for four years. And we had a case, I was with the team, me, a driver, and a female uh, medic. And we went and we took a religious woman and her husband to the hospital. She was pregnant. And she preferred that only the female medic will, like, touch her and take her vitals. And I, she, did, she preferred I would not like touch it and do it. Mm-hmm. So what we did, we tried to accommodate what she preferred, like how much as we could. But if she would say, listen, I like if we're only a guy team and she would not want to take the vitals or to be hand like to ta- like to touch her or to see how she feels, we would write in our report, the patient refused contact, he signed this and that's fine. People can refuse like you have consent and you have refused to treat. Of course. If you can't accommodate I think the person Whatever, for whatever reason, like, of course, you should not allow yourself to be, again, mistreated. But if he does not want you to take care of him and there is no, nothing else, no other person who can do it, fine, refuse treatment. Life, go, life goes on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends on the scenario as well. I think mm-hmm. in terms of religion and um, I think we have to be a little bit more understanding. So, I mean, if it's a term of, yeah, they're, they're, they are taking the risk if it is all male team and you know no one can see them and it's a life-threatening situation but i mean if they're the option is available then yeah if there was a female i think in a religious situation but i think for like a race situation now i think it's a little bit different where you you know you're the patient is basically discriminating because of the color of your skin i mean i think they'll be a little bit harder to um you know to find to accommodate them you know people yeah, have their yeah you know people have schedules like the nurses have their schedules mm-hmm. the doctors have their schedules yeah you know it's either you want the care or you don't i think anyway um and if you came to bermuda it'll be you know we have a mixture of you know black nurses white nurses all types of color nurses 
Um, but I don't know. You go to a place where it's majority the color you don't like. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do then? You know? Yeah. So those are tricky situations. I think maybe just to even like mentally navigate. It's not it's not to navigate the situation itself because I feel like the rules and regulations can help us navigate it, but like psychologically maybe. I think it's a it would be an option. It would be a nice option if they included that in the program. Maybe they do. Maybe yeah. they will include it. It's fun. It's like it's it's a good thing. They have to cause TPH here where it's a uh, community public health where they insert these topics and they teach them and they teach public health. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, this program really helps us kind of open all these conversations instead of just opening topics about, like, viruses and illnesses and all this stuff. So it's just a, a whole um, view of the whole person, just very personal, like Jonathan said. Yeah. What else about the program do you like or is it, I think otherwise it would be very similar to any other program. And like I said, when you graduate, you graduate a full doctor, you're fully qualified. And actually, I feel like it gives you lots of opportunities. You can get to um, specialize anywhere in the world when you're done. Um, so I definitely would recommend it. I, I love this program. Everybody's from different background as well. Um, so you get to see a lot of input of different like bachelor degrees and different master's degrees all coming into like one PBL room. Yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. It's a great program. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how they pick us anyway for PBL uh, mm. groups. Ah, that's so, yeah. yeah. I think if you notice, there was always somebody from, like, I don't know. Like, I know in my group we have a radiog. What do they call them? Radiologist. Radiologist. Yeah. He's a, yeah. He's a good radiologist. I'm from the lab. We have people from. Mm-hmm. Where else? I don't know. Pharmacists. We have pharmacists. Yeah. I'm a biologist. so yeah they try to put in you know most perspectives into if they can anyway into your pbl group yeah you know so when it comes to like x-rays and things we can be like oh so fong you know what do you think (laughs) (laughs) you know i can tell you all the lab tests and yeah he's really he's sharp he's really good at his job oh yeah shout out all right i think this concludes like our little um summary on the whole course uh, we we have another episode that me and Hafsa and Audrey kind of uh, recorded. I think it's episode number four. We definitely labeled it USMLE questions. So you can go ahead and check that out. If you ever think about um, entering this course, you want to know more details, you want to know about the USMLE, or if you don't want to take the USMLE, what are your options? So go check that out. Um, and yeah, we're moving on. Cool, yeah.